All right, we've got some breaking news this morning. Another wide receiver getting paid in the NFL. The Bills and Stephon Diggs have agreed to a four-year, $104 million extension. It's coming from ESPN. The deal includes $70 million guaranteed, and it comes on the heels of another mega deal, of course, for wideouts, Devontae Adams, 141, and Tyreek Hill, 120. Welcome back to another episode of The Blitz on 91.3 FM, WBNY, 91.3 FM, WBNY, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. I'm Evan Harrington. We are here with... Alex Spencer. Uh, the better-looking Evan, Evan DePasquale. Oof. And Jason Guth. So, obviously, in the intro clip there on ESPN, the news was broke, you know, this morning around, what, like 8 in the morning, that Stefan Diggs... And the Buffalo Bills agreed on a contract extension, you know, worth four years, $70 million. And in total, it's about six years, $124.1 million. I mean, I mean, this new, this news is huge. Obviously, there's been a lot of, you know, reset, reset in the uh, receiver, receiver, receiving market, you know, with Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill and Christian Kirk even. And, you know, to see Stefan Diggs get this type of contract, you know, average money is only around $26 million. It isn't, you know, breaking the bank for us, but it's good enough to keep him around for a few more years and potentially retire as a Buffalo Bill. I, he gave the Bills a discount, to be completely honest. Um, <clears throat> I was of the mind before this deal broke that should the number approach $30 million a year, like Tyreek Hill money, 30 plus, I was kind of wary of that, but this is very reasonable. Um, it also lowers his cap hit for this year. Um, he had a cap hit of $18 million. I don't know what it is down to now. but um, So what I heard was that the actual like signing bonus that they're going to give Stefan Diggs, they're going to kind of you know spread it out over the next six years. Mm-hmm. So I believe his cap hit might rise, uh, I don't know, maybe like maybe $4.5 million each year over the next six. But like that's very reasonable. Yeah, and fine. again, you're not breaking the bank on Stefan Diggs. Like you mentioned... He took the discount to play with Josh Allen. He took the discount to retire as a Buffalo Bill. He took the discount to help this team win a Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, he needed his worth. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. No matter you're in this business here in the NFL. I mean, the NFL's you know turning into more of like a business side thing, side of things for players. Like you know, every day it seems like, and you know these players need to get their worth. Yeah, and I mean he was severely underpaid for his entire tenure here. Yeah, and it's I mean he seems like a great dude, so it's I'm glad to see him get paid generational wealth that's awesome yeah right and you know ever since 2020 when the bills did acquire stuff on digs he's first in targets and he's top three in receptions in top three in yards and he's like seventh in total touchdowns with like 18 it's ridiculous the guy's just you know been a transitional player for the buffalo bills offense i'm saying this right now if we didn't get stuff on digs we're not at the point where we are i think josh allen still takes a jump but he doesn't take the jump he took he might have did it in year four rather than year three. Maybe. And, you know, bringing in a guy like Stefan Diggs just two years ago, you know, for what people were calling it as an overpay, but now it's kind of looking like, no, that was just, you know, getting a guy who's going to be beneficial for the next five years. And look at it now. We're signing Stefan Diggs until he's going to be the age of 34. Yeah. And you're giving him his wealth. And he also took a discount to help you out as well. And he's already helped you out a ton. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Diggs, too, I mean, the, what, what worried me with the like Tyreek Hill extension for the Dolphins is his number one asset is his speed, obviously. And as you get older, there is fear that he may lose a step because that happens. But the way that Diggs plays, he's not the fastest, but that's fine. He is so technically sound that I don't have much of a concern about him losing the quote-unquote step that some receivers do when they enter old age. like It's like a Larry Fitz type. Obviously, he's not good as Larry Fitzgerald, but he was able to play older because of the like the physical play style he had. He was never like a burner, but old age never hindered how he could play. So, Yeah, and, you know, looking at receivers that, you know, get to that 30, 30-year-old mark and really lose the step, when you look at a guy like Julio Jones, who is really dominant on his speed and his physical play, and, you know, when those injuries started catching up to him, he couldn't use that speed. He couldn't use that downfield presence that he had with the size and speed because those injuries just really took a toll on him. But someone like Stefan Diggs, who's arguably, you know, the best route runner in football, mm-hmm. if not, you know, the second best, he's just going to be able to use his technical play style 
for the next five years, five, six years. Yeah. And this contract is going to be very beneficial because Brandon Bean's obviously smart enough to know, you know, 34 years old, 33 years old, Diggs isn't going to be the player he is now. No. So they're obviously obviously going to have, um, you know, certain implications in the contract that's going to benefit, you know, him obviously still, but the Buffalo Bills cap, cap room as well. And the cap space is only going to go up too. Yes. It's, it's always just going to be rising. So this deal is only going to get better. Again, this isn't this contract, you know, you know, isn't the greatest, you know, looking at it like, wow, we have to pay Stefan Diggs twenty six million. Like you don't wanna pay guys twenty six million. Like you you don't want to have that cap space. But to be able to keep a guy like Stefan Diggs around and not, you know, kill yourself in the cap space department, I think it's huge. I think it's a big W for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. I I love it. It it also it solidifies Diggs and like if you were like looking at the tweets that he's been putting out like for such a long time, everybody was like thinking, "Oh, is this does this mean that he's going to leave or something like that?" I think this this now puts to bed the thought of he's going to go somewhere else or he's going to get traded. And I just love this contract came out the day after Doug Whaley said he thinks that the Bills should trade Diggs because they can't afford him or like that he is going to want money that the Bills cannot get and Brandon Bean's just like hold my beer basically type of thing it kind of kind of reminds me of you know Jack Eichel's like it's the loudest I've ever heard that arena Rick Jenneret hold my beer <laughs> I mean not to go off like topic but man I wish I could have been at RJ night like I, I know I wasn't able I was on vacation and I just couldn't go I I bought tickets to the Florida game on April 3rd, like two months ago, because I wanted to go with a couple of friends, and we were deciding between April 1st and April 3rd, and at the time, they had not announced like that was RJ's ceremony night. Oh, right. And I am so upset, because tickets were like five bucks, because that was in like the midst of the Sabres' like, so, first stretch. So basically what happened was, I, mean, I, was, I was on a cruise. I didn't have any internet connection. I, ha- I had it for my laptop for schoolwork. So I did end up seeing, like, the highlights of the game, like, a little after the game was actually played. But I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how the ceremony went. I didn't know it was a packed crowd. I expected it to be, like, like full to a point, but I didn't know it was a packed, you know, 19,000 crowd. There was not an empty seat in that house. Listen to this, though. But there were two empty seats right in front of me. <laughs> Listen to this, though. If, if you're a season ticket holder, and my season tickets are in 320, um, seven rows up, center ice, right? Normally, those go for about, I want to say, 45 on average, 45 a ticket on average. We made four times the amount for that game. Mm-hmm. Like, that is ridiculous. Like, tickets were selling for, like, hundreds of bucks. 180 a piece. Yeah. We the, got... cheapest, the cheapest I saw, because I thought about going, like, when I, like, the week leading up to it, the cheapest I could find is, like, 135. Like, I would have done it. Like, the... if I wasn't a season ticket holder, I would have done it. The The seats that we got. I was me, my two brothers, and my girlfriend. We all went, and we were at, it was 97 apiece, but credit, we were also in section 109, so that was a pretty good deal, and I was just for you-know-whats and giggles, I was like, I'm going to take a look at the seat prices. 300 level was going for 200 bucks apiece. That's how... Like desirable this game was, and I think also the publicity that the media, the Buffalo media, was putting on for this for this game. They're like, go, you know, go. You don't have to be. You know, it's more so be there for Rick and not be there, you know, for the team. But luckily, in the month of March, they had put up so many wins in the month of March that it made legitimate sense to be going into just this entire different idea of just like wow i i almost shed a tear i will be completely honest i his speech i didn't really appreciate the booing of the pagulas but luckily they kind of shook it off they're billionaires they'll be fine yeah i Um, mean i will say though the april 3rd game two days after there was like twelve thousand people there. Oh yeah, there that was, was like the yeah. it was third highest attendance. Mm-hmm. It was third behind highest behind RJ Knight and Ico returning. Okay, people are coming back. <sighs> I think RJ Knight well, yeah, brought RJ Knight made people care about the Sabers again. Yeah, like I I went to the game last night against Carolina. Dude, that crowd was dead. There's nobody there, 
It, there wasn't even 12,000. There probably was lucky to be 8,000. Like, that crowd was so dead. And the Sabres came out, they won 4-2. to two. Like, I mean, I just, I, I, I get the team is, you know, sucked for so long. Mm-hmm. But, like, at a point in time, like, when do people need to start realizing, like, the team's playing. Like, let's go, let's go out and support them. Like they're I think 10, it'll be next year. Maybe they're ten four and three in their last seventeen. I agree. In fourteen of the last seventeen games, they've gotten points. They were on an eight game point streak at one point in time. Mm-hmm. They went to like what six or seven consecutive overtime games. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I they're think playing they're playing phenomenal. Yeah, I think there should be more support, but I also understand like yeah. they're not making the playoffs. People don't hey, really. We're still in it. Yeah, too. We're in the hunt. Hashtag in the hunt. <laughs> um, but wait. We couldn't have Ma- said that last year. Math- That's true. I was going to say, mathematically, we are still in the post in the playoff picture. <laughs> we have to win every single game. Yeah, Washington, I know. Washington has to beat Tampa tonight to knock us out. And, and you know, I don't, I, I like, I don't think Let's go Tampa. Obviously, <laughs> none of us predicted the Sabers to make the playoffs. I think we were all just. I think we all. I think we all. I think we all just wanted to just see exciting hockey, and I think that's what we're seeing right now is exciting hockey. Yeah. Just the the goals scored. You know, I I've said this hundreds of times to uh, people at the Sabers. I said, like you know, fa- people who've been like paying attention to the Sabers or whatever. I said I'd rather see the Sabers lose. Seven to four or six to four or whatever, then have them lose two nothing. Because if yeah, you sure. lose seven to four, that means you're putting pucks in the net. Uh, and also the fact that they were just the amount of people that were like they had so many injuries with COVID and we had twenty injuries at one point yep. between Rochester and the Sabers twenty. So it it just it just show it comes to show that we. We're a good team. I, I'm not going to say maybe we'll be contending for the playoffs next year. I think, um, but you know, I who knows? Man. I mean, we have like 40 million in cap space. Yeah, we have nobody S- big to resign. Someone like, was saying on the Tage, radio, Tage soon though. We're gonna have to resign Tage. Sure, soon. but I mean, yeah. like I, I'd, I'd extend him this off season. If we yeah, can. I would. Like, and you know, uh, I mean, this is a thing. Like, so Owen Power is set. Yeah, he's coming back. To come up to Buffalo too. within this week. Yeah. We're going to be getting Owen Power soon. So we're going to have to be ready for that. That's going to be huge. That's going to draw a lot of fans. That's going to really reshape how this Buffalo decor is set. You know, I wouldn't, like, I don't think he's going to get power play one time. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he's the quarterback in the power play too. And I know this is like, you know, this is like throwing it out there, but I wouldn't mind seeing Owen Power. On that other hash mark across from Tage Thompson, you know, you know, taking one timers. I thought you were going to say you wanted to see him on the uh, same defense pairing as Darlene. I was no, like, no, no, that just wouldn't work. That just Spread wouldn't work. Them out. No, but like, so like, what, like on the Sabres power play, something that I've been stressing that we've been missing is a legitimate, a legitimate threats, you know, in that spot that Olison used to be on on the power play one. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that you could probably move Olofsson back there and you can get a lot of similar production. But, like, Olofsson just isn't, like, as dynamic in that spot as he was without Jack Eichel. So, you know, the guy like Tage, he's just, he's just not going to do what Jack Eichel was doing on the power play. He just doesn't move around with the puck like Jack did. So, you know, he's not going to set up Olofsson like Jack did. So Olofsson's very limited on the power play one. But a guy like Owen Power, who's a big six six body, who's a very, you know, dynamic skater and has a ridiculous shot, I feel like that could be an interesting you know, dynamic there, and also having Dowling at the quarterback spot, and then you got Tage and Tuck and Skinner. They all do their thing. But I, I have, like, Middlestad in that spot. It's going to be really interesting to see what we're going to do with Owen Power once we do bring him up here. I think, for now, they're either going to pair him with a guy like Mark Pesic, maybe, maybe Probably. Colin Miller. Probably or, Pesic. Yeah, I, I think Pesic. I, I think Pesic would be a sa- uh, would be a safe option, but um, can we also talk about the play of Casey Middlestad over He's these last lately. six, seven games? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of critical very of him. Well. Um, I know he's been hurt this year, but I, uh, he just—I wanted to see more, and he's been playing very well lately. So it's good to see. Yeah, this is the thing with Casey Middlestat. You always see him have these little, you know, spurts and these streaks of like hot play. 
where it's like, wow, like there's a point in time where he's just averaging around a point a game or he's a little bit under a point a game, and he's just quietly doing it. Mm-hmm. He's not going out there. He's not netting a hat trick. He's not putting up two goals. He's not, you know, making the flashiest plays in the world. But you're looking at him, he's like, okay, he's got a plus minus of one. He had an assist this game. He had two the next game. He had a goal this game. He's playing a little bit on the penalty kill. He's putting in, you know, meaningful minutes on the power play. And overall, he's just, you know, been more of a physical presence. Like, he's just yeah. played the way you want a former first-round pick to play. Yeah, he's been very reasonable. And now he's, you know, been on that somewhat point-per-game basis over his last six to seven to eight games. And you, you've, you've seen more of a matured Casey Middlestat. You know, he's not just, you know, losing the puck. He's keeping it on a stick more. He's really, you know, making the offensive zone, you know, his his playground. He's, you know, going, you know, from dot to dot. You know, he's making the passes that you just want him to make. And, he, you know, he had a nice goal yesterday um, on a nice feed from Asplund. Yeah. And, you know, Casey Middlestad just went down and, you know, found a spot and beat Freddie Anderson. Um, and, again, like Casey Middlestad is one of those players I just want to see do well. He's yeah. so likable and he's just so fun to watch. And when he's on, he's great for us. He is. Yeah, well, well, welcome Dan to the show. You know, a little late. Double D's here. Double D's uh, in the house. Uh, We were just talking about, you know, RJ Knight and a little bit about Owen Power potentially coming up soon for the Sabres and just, you know, a little bit about the Sabres in general. But before that, we touched on the Stefan Diggs news about how, you know, the Bills and Stefan Diggs, you know, came to a new contract. Nice, cheap deal. Yeah, cheap deal, right? Cheap deal. We could have signed Dan for less. <laughs> so what? No, like, what are your thoughts though on the Stefan Diggs uh, contract? Uh, I think it works out for everybody. I mean, Diggs is still a top three or top like five paid wide receiver. So I mean, he's stu- stuck here for the next six years. He wants to retire here. I'm happy with it. Why would nobody not be? You get Allen and. Digs for another six years after this year. He'll be around for the new stadium. Yeah, yeah. right. My favorite thing <laughs> is seeing Patriots fans on Twitter. They're like, oh, this is an overpay. This is an overpay. Stuff on Diggs. How much do they have tied up in uh, Johnu Smith, Hunter Henry, and yeah, Nelson, Nelson Aguilar? Aguilar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude the, a Patriots fan on Twitter goes, man, that's a lot of money for a guy who only posts seven yards in a playoff game. Someone also goes, you know, that's a lot of money paying a guy who has butterfingers and Nelson Aguilar. Like, yeah. come on. Your number one receiver is Nelson. Well, okay. Devontae I think Parker. Their number one receiver is Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers. For but the, for the realistically, games they're, they're paying Nelson Aguilar to be, uh, you know, a potential number one or a very good number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, that's worked out great. That's worked out great. I mean,. Bill I mean, Belichick, offensive genius. Yeah, yep. Belichick's offensive, you know, genius. That um, that I twelve just, personnel. I kind of have a hot take. I don't know how hot of a take it is. Bill Belichick's not a great coach. No, like ever no. since Bra- ever since Brady left. Like, well, yeah. Like, so there was always that debate of was it Belichick or was it Brady? It was Brady. It was Brady, and it's very obvious. Um, I like it is very obvious. I don't know. I don't. I don't like that's that's where I, that's where I disagree. Like, I don't think. Th- Brady's Brady without Belichick. I don't think Belichick's Belichick without Brady. Like I mean, because like but, but you Brady, gotta, Brady you was Brady how, without Belichick last year. You five thousand yes, passing yards. But how long has Tom Brady been in the league though? Tom Brady Forever. adapted. Yeah, Brady's not himself if he doesn't have Belichick. And I'm only going to say that because how many top ten defenses did Brady play a lot with throughout his career? Who is masterminding those defenses? Belichick. He's how a good many players? Coach. How many players did Bill Belichick get for Brady that were longtime accustomed players that went on Super Bowl runs with them? Like I mean, not Wes Welker, many. Julian Edelman, Gronkowski. Yeah, but... All these guys are late round gems. Belichick might not be the most consistent drafter, but he will hit the players that will make Brady the player he is and really shape him into the game of football. Well, well he he hasn't hit on wide receiver. He's never hit on wide receiver except for Edelman. I mean, yeah, he traded for Wes Welker, whoop-de-doo, but... Yeah, but I'm, for... I'm just saying he's hit on the players he's needed to hit on. I'm not right, saying but you need a, a good receiving guy. core. That's the main reason Brady left, I feel. He didn't get much help his later years. Yeah, but, like, I mean, we're just, yeah, we're just going on, like, we're going on, like, a different, like, topic. No, I'm just saying, like, like, Brady is Brady because of Belichick. Yeah, I don't think anybody Belichick else would have given Belichick him a because of Brady. One of them is not successful without the other. Brady isn't a seven-time Super Bowl champion without Belichick. Belichick isn't this head coach we view as the greatest of all time without Tom Brady. If you get what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I get what you're saying. They're like the most perfect pairing in sports history. Yeah. It's like MJ isn't MJ without Pippen. It's like you like if you take Pippen away from MJ, MJ isn't the greatest of all time. Right? You take Kobe and Shaq away from each other, they don't have those rings. They don't have that three peat. Mm-hmm. You know? You take Steph Curry away from Kevin Durant, Durant doesn't have those rings. I mean, it's just you know, plain and simple, like I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't even know who else. Like, you take Patrick you take, Kane and Jonathan Davis. Yeah, uh, that, uh, they're like Crosby and Malkin. Like, if right, you take yeah. if you take these pieces away from one another, that click, they're just not the same. You know, the, the same pieces. I guess. I guess that my point would be that Brady was better at adapting without Belichick. Yeah, and you know that's a fair point. But like at the same time, like Brady played for so long. That you almost just expect him to. Yeah, I know. You know, he played with Belichick for 20 but years. But also, Belichick coached for over 20 years. And yeah. I I think last couple of years without Brady, it's just been his his flaws as a coach have been very evident. I will say this, though. I will say this. Belichick's system now just doesn't work unless you have the right quarterback. The system that Belichick is running now works 10 to 12 years ago. Because it was mm-hmm. new and innovative. Yeah, and that's it worked with Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. But again, Hunter Henry isn't Rob Gronkowski, and Johnny Smith isn't Aaron Hernandez. It's just not going to work. <laughs> Plus, you have Mac Jones, and you don't have Tom Brady. Yeah, and that's my point. Like, Brady was better at adapting than Belichick. Belichick is still stuck in this, like, 10 to 12 years ago mindset of football. I agree with that, yeah. Like, you have, like, mm-hmm. think back to the Bills playoff game. The Patriots are down, like, 14, and it's fourth and one on the Bills, like, 45, and he punts the ball. Like, what are you, what are you doing there? <laughs> and then we go down and we score a touchdown again. Like, he just, he, he has not had the ability to adapt to modern football. Well, I, you know, the only, the only thing I will give Belichick credit for, in a sense, was the game that he did beat us. He played. He played the I mean, smart. Yeah, sure. He played he the did. smart, conservative, safe way, and it worked. Yeah, sometimes it works, and and it did. But you know, other than that, like, I feel like he's not putting Mac Jones in the best spot to succeed. Because... I, I I don't think Bill's giving enough effort anymore. If you look at free I, agency, yeah. he's acting like he still has Tom Brady, and that anybody's going to sign for less money because you know I'm Bill Belichick and. Yeah, they yeah. also don't have the cap space, though. Right, but still, they'll get him for cheap. They call him, say, hey, if you don't get the deal you like, call us back mm-hmm. right away because we'll give you a deal. We're we're willing to make you a deal. It just may be on the cheaper side. Yeah, and I and I definitely agree with that. I mean, I don't. I haven't looked at the Patriots' free agency in a minute because I was uh, on a cruise for a week and a half, and I didn't really have much Wi-Fi. So <laughs> anything that really went that wasn't you know going on with. Bills and Sabres talk. I didn't really notice. Uh, but, you know, looking at New England, like, at the time I saw, they only had three offensive linemen under contract. Right, yeah. They weren't really going out and getting, you know, big-time splash playmakers. They let go of J.C. Jackson. Goothy looked like you want to add something. Yeah, I just, I, I totally disagree with the Belichick uh, slander here myself. Um, Goose, this is a Bills talk show. I know, but <laughs> I'm not from around here, so forgive me. But, <laughs> but um, so... We were talking about um, Belichick's offense. Uh, his defense is obviously still really good, but his offensive frame of mind is old school, we think. But the Patriots were sixth in the league in scoring last year, and they topped 50 points two different times. So I know they got uh, obliterated in the playoffs, but I, I don't think that there's any reason to panic and think Bill Belichick can't coach anymore. I mean, no, like, like in my uh, my opinion, I still think I have New England finishing second in the division. I still think I don't necessarily disagree with that. Like with Belichick as the head coach, they're they're a safe option to finish second. Yeah, I could see them finishing third. Like I think that's a real possibility. I could see mm-hmm. them finishing as low as fourth. No, nah, like I like that's I, where well that's, that's where thing, I step out. I, like I just don't I don't think I don't think uh, I think the Jets ceiling is higher than both the Dolphins and the Patriots this year. Keyword ceiling. Their yeah. floor is also a lot lower. <laughs> so I could see a realistic possibility where they finish second in the division, and then I think Miami would probably be third or fourth. And this is actually a good cr- transition before we head into the break. Um, what is your ceiling for the Jets? Like, what is the max one you think they can— Nine and eight. You think they can go nine and eight? Okay. I think that's realistic possible. How about you, Guth? I'm going to say six wins max. Six wins max. Yeah. Wow, no low for the New York football Jets. <laughs> How about, mm, about you, Dan? Probably seven or eight wins. Like, 
realistically, this is this, this is me. I'm a Zach Wilson guy, diehard. I think they can realistically go ten and seven. I like, I, you know, it's not out of the Crazier realm of possibilities. Have they have a hard schedule, but like, I'm a believer in Zach Wilson. I'm a believer in you know Corey Davis is a, is a good receiver. I think um, Elijah Moore is a very good receiver. I like, I Elijah, like their right, running too. backs. I love Robert Sala's head coach. I love what Joe Douglas has done. I love the defensive line of the Jets. And, and I think they, they have, have two a, top ten picks. Yeah, but they, they right. have the picks. Um, you know, I still I still think C.J. Mosley has a lot left in the tank. I think he was a leader on that defense last year. Uh, you know, I I just still think they have a lot left in the tank that they can really do with. Yeah, uh, they're over in the New Jersey side of things. It all it all comes down to Zach Wilson. If he yeah. takes if he takes any amount of a step this year and goes from a player that really didn't deserve to be playing quarterback last year, that's how bad he was for the most part, to even average. They could be approaching six to even ten wins. Nine I had as my ceiling, but ten's not crazy either. Like, Yeah, and, you know, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, you guys want to look a little bit more at the Sabres just because they've been rolling? And I think sure. Sabres sure. talks, good talk. All right, we'll be back in a few. Here is the Blitz on 91.3 FM. Welcome back to the Blitz yeah, but call guys. Phil from the West Side in Buffalo. How's it going, man? Hey, how you guys doing? Um, I just wanted to say I really love your show, what you're doing. Uh, it's the first time I've heard it. It's great. Love your takes. Um, and you're talking about the uh, AFC East uh, positions. Um, I'm going to give you mine. I'm going to go Bills, Dolphins, Hats. And maybe Jets. We'll see if the Jets can win. I don't think Zach Wilson's that good. Uh, you guys think he's good, but I don't think that they have the offensive line to protect him against our rush, and we're going to beat them twice easily. Um, I see us winning both games against the Dolphins and the Pats also. I don't think anybody's going to compete with that offense this year. And uh, that's my take, and uh, I love your show. Keep it up. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the call. Yeah, thanks for the call, man. That's you know very encouraging words there for sure. Um, I don't, I don't disagree with the point that I think the Bills will win both games against the Jets. I think at their ceiling, the Jets will get nine wins, but two of their losses will be against the Bills. Let's clear that up. But um, yeah, I mean Wilson was awful last year. There's no other way around it. But I think his potential and his ceiling is so encouraging that if he reaches his ceiling, that's when you kind of approach that nine win mark. But we'll see what happens. Like, I definitely think it's, you know, there's a real potential that the Bills, you know, can go 6-0 and in the AFC East. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't like, hate that if you want If you want to be the one seed, you got to do it. Yeah, yeah. If you want to be the one seed, you have to at least go 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh in the division. You have to take advantage of the fact that Kansas City has to play Denver, the Raiders, and um, the Broncos. The like, there's a real the possibility that Kansas City goes 3-3. Three and three. Yeah. They did last, or what did they do last year in the division? They're like they, four and two. They, I think they no. Did they lose to the Raiders once? They did. They lost. They lost to the, the Raiders. Raiders. They lost to the Chargers. The Char- I think they. they yeah, they like lost to the Chargers once. Mm-hmm. They almost got. I think they went four and two. Yeah, yeah they almost. They almost lost to the Broncos. Remember yeah, the, they had that, <laughs> that that Drew Lock game where he had two rushing touchdowns on prime time. Yeah, then they had like the fumble recovery for a touchdown. Yeah, that was with Nick Bolton, right. Melvin yeah. Ingram, yeah. whatever. But yeah, no, no. Like I definitely agree with your take. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson has a lot of potential. But there was also a lot of mishaps that he had last year. And you definitely have to look at that for a quarterback going from year one to year two. You have to keep that in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. You know, we were doing that as Bills fans with Josh Allen. Yeah. You know? But again, Zach Wilson has that, not Josh Allen potential, I would say. But, you know, he, he has the tangibles that Josh has. You know, he has the, the throwing ability. He can throw off platform. He can throw on the run. He has, you know, some of the arm talent that many quarterbacks just simply don't possess in this league. He can throw with certain arm angles like guys like Mahomes and Allen and Rodgers. You know, he's got some of those abilities and those traits, and he's mobile, too. He can move. Zach Wilson, you know, really can move outside the pocket, in the pocket, and downfield as a rusher as well. Yeah, he's more of a modern-day quarterback. Yeah, modern-day quarterback for sure, and I definitely I definitely agree, you know, with your point there. Like, the Bills could easily go 6-0 or 5-1 in the division. Um, I was just going to say about the Jets here. Um, you guys seem to think they'll do a lot better than I do, but just looking at their roster, right, um, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore are probably the two best receivers, but Corey Davis has only played a full season once, and he missed eight games last year. I also like Denzel Mims. Yeah, Denzel Mims is just a player that can't consistently get on the field, and he seems to be very limited, but I, I do like Mims as a player. 
Yeah, so I just feel like, first of all, they don't have a legitimate number one receiver in my book. And one of their better ones can't even play a full season. So I, I just, I don't see this team doing virtually I mean, anything. We could also see the Jets go out and draft a guy too. Yeah, like yeah. don't like that's still possible. They, I, I also how imagine they add Sauce Gardner or Kyle Hamilton at four. Do you think they will get a safety or a corner? You you almost have to, right? I mean, you're playing against Josh Allen two times a year. I get that. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, like, what do you do? Do you beef up the line or do you beef up the secondary? Like, like, what do you do like, when you're playing Josh Allen? Because you just don't know how he can beat I you. I think, I think secondary. You you have to try and limit him like through the air. I yeah, think. I, th- I think that's what you have to do. Yeah, so the, I I think they could go Hamilton. Um, when I do my first round mock, I'm gonna have them taking Hamilton at four. Um, now will they? I don't know. But again, my main point being, they have a lot of assets to add to this team instantly this year with a lot of high caliber players through the draft oh yeah now they... now you need to nail these draft picks but they had a good draft last year i liked what they did ever since their new gm's been in they've been drafting pretty well yeah no joe douglas has been there for the last few years and he's really had some home run picks yeah so we'll see again the key word in all of this is their ceiling is nine wins their floor is four going oh and 17 <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> like, but again like you never know what's going to happen so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of floor and ceiling, um, the the floor for the Dolphins is zero and seventeen. The yeah. ceiling is seventeen and zero. There's no in between. <laughs> There's no, like with Mike McDaniel as the head coach, he's either going to take those guys and rally them to a Super Bowl, hosting a Lombardi Trophy with two at quarterback, <laughs> or they're simply just going to go zero and seventeen. Tua's gone. McDaniel's is gone. Uh, Tyree Kill is. Bolton back out to, like, Baltimore or something. I low-key like what they're doing in Miami in terms of building for next year. Miami did sign a lot of good guys this year. I mean, not only did they trade for Tyree Kill, they signed Teron Armstead. Yeah, but I mean, from the that's for, ridiculous. That for, they the got draft, for the draft next year, though, they have, like, what, two firsts, a second, right. two thirds? Oh, yeah. So yeah. they have the ability to trade up for a rookie if there's a guy they like. Yeah, speaking of draft picks, like, the Eagles, man. They fleece the Saints. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they fleece the Saints. The, they, um, the Saints are stuck in this like paradox where they think they still have Drew Brees and Sean yeah, Payton, right? and they're like, they're like, we're like two, we're two first round picks away from being the Super Bowl team. Well, because that's the thing, the Eagles had three first round picks this year, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're also looking towards the future because we simply just don't know if Jalen Hurts is that guy yet. Yeah, and I think this was smart. It was You're backloading two first round picks in each of the next two drafts. And if for some reason Jalen Hurts doesn't take that next step, they don't get in the playoffs or like they don't win a playoff game or they just don't contend to win the NFC East, and you need to move on from Jalen Hurts, you can. this isn't the draft to move on. Next year's is something to talk about Unless more and really look forward to. It's definitely a much better quarterback class than this year's. This quarterback class is just simply just a—I'm going to do a sound effect without really making one. It's just not that good. It's just something that you just don't want to look at if you're a team. This is my take for the draft class this year, or for the quarterback class this year specifically. It reminds me of the 2018 draft, not pre-draft, because the pre-draft narrative for the 2018 draft was that it is the best in decades and all these players are going to be good. But at the end of the day, there was two good guys that came out of that draft. Two legitimate top 10 quarterbacks, a mediocre quarterback, and then the rest were bones. Well, you know, this almost feels like me to uh, to me the EJ Manuel Geno Smith draft. I mean, r- remember they the Bills took EJ Manuel with what a sixteenth overall pick, and Don't he was such a pick. waste. And Don't then yeah. disrespect the pick. And then Geno Smith was a second rounder. I mm-hmm. I don't think these guys are top ten QBs. I I would I would disagree. I think I think there's two legitimate quarterbacks that can be good in this NFL in the league. I think Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. But they're going to go later. Hmm? I feel like no, Will, Willis, Willis is, is going, going top go fifteen at least. Top top 10, I think he might yeah. fall to twenty to the Steelers. No, yeah. Uh, if the Steelers, if, I, I'm I saying don't this flat he's... out. If Willis has fallen, I wouldn't be surprised if a team like the Steelers are jumping on that. They should, but I don't think he falls past the Seahawks. Where the Seahawks sucked again? Nine. Nine, yeah. He's yeah. not falling past Seattle. Well, it depends if they want Pickett, Willis. I don't know what they want. I mean, there was there was reports that they aren't. Enamored with Malik Willis. 
Yeah, they can and be I, in and I think, with anybody, though. <laughs> well, I know, but if he's there at nine, right? Yeah, he's probably going to be the pick. Plus, and you got to think about the Panthers. The Panthers are there at six. They could so, very easily take the quarterback as well. Darnold's not. He's a waste. Yeah, he was a waste. So I, I, there will probably be two or three quarterbacks taken in the first round. Yeah, no, Fairly definitely. Easily. Like, no matter what draft it is, yeah, there will always be quarterbacks taken earlier than they are really supposed to go. Because NFL GMs and teams in general always value quarterback as the most needed position, you know, on an NFL roster. And rightfully so, it is. Yep. So, again, like, when you mentioned the Buffalo Bills back in 2013 when they drafted E.J. Manuel, E.J. Manuel, you know, in many G- GMs' eyes, realistically, was probably a second or third round talent. But, again, there's 32 NFL teams, and you just don't know what those teams are thinking. You don't know if they're going to take that quarterback. And in many people's eyes, E.J. Manuel might have been the consensus, you know, number one ranked quarterback in that draft. So EJ Manuel probably went 25 picks sooner than he should have went. Right. Right. And it, rightfully so. Like, you know, good for EJ. He got his money. He got his yeah. first round first round money. But again, quarterbacks will, will always, always go earlier than they need to. And like in the 2018 draft, you know, Sam, you know, Baker Mayfield went one. Sam Darnold went three. Like, these quarterbacks are just going off the board. Josh and Rose, Josh Allen and Josh Rosen were right there. They were, like, just a few picks later. Then there was a drop-off. Or even this past draft, there's three quarterbacks in the top three. Mm -hmm. Now, do I think all three of those guys are going to be legitimate franchise players? I think so. Yeah. I I think Lance Wilson and Lawrence are all going to be great players. But at the same time, like, they just went one, two, three. The one it, I the one I have question marks about is still is Wilson, but I agree that they all have the ability to be a franchise quarterback. Lance is special, man. He's a monster. I think he can be really special. Um, I love that pick for you the know, Niners. Yeah, transitioning out of draft talk for a little bit, I want to talk about the Sabers. I have something that just came out a few minutes ago about the Rochester Americans. Mm. Um, one of their players, Ben Holstrom, was suspended for eight games for a comment. Or a quote homophobic slur that was said on March thirtieth. Oh. Against a opponent. Against Send him to Toronto. And it took that long? Send him to Toronto. Send him to Toronto. Send him to the Maple Leafs. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. wow, that's interesting. Uh what are you gonna do though? Oh wow. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean I don't really I don't really know what to say about that. Uh yeah, you definitely don't wanna be saying those things as an athlete. Um, no. or just in general. But um Former Texans pass rusher Whitney Merciless has called it a career. Yeah. Retiring to become grill master to his family. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> like, that's the best way to go out as a retired player. Whitney Merciless, great NFL career. He's be like, you know what, Texans? You guys suck. I'm calling it quits. I don't want to play for you anymore. I'm going to be a why, grill master. Why doesn't he want to play for Davis Mills? Davis Mills could be a great quarterback. Honestly, like, realistically. He could be. I think the Texans should give a year around Davis Mills. That's what Just give do. him a shot. Build I don't think he's going to be a franchise quarterback. I don't think he's going to be a top ten quarterback. But at at worst, he's he'll Kirk be, Cousins. He'll he's, be better than Mac Jones. My hot take. I I think Davis Mills is great. I think he he showed everybody what he can do for being a third round pick, mm-hmm. and he was great. But Lovey Smith is your head coach. I don't want to play for Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith has done nothing impressive in the past couple of years. He he was a horrible college coach. Now he's getting this random job offer from Houston just for a year. He'll probably just be here for a year, and they're going to look for somebody new, unless if this all works. But I don't see the reason why you come back. Lovey isn't that great of a coach. So, Dan, you wouldn't want to play for Davis Mills? No. If you're an NFL wide receiver... You wouldn't go around the league and be like, okay. No, because I can they have Patrick Cooks. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, etc. But then you go to Davis Mills. You wouldn't want to play for a guy like Davis Mills? No, because Why? there's a Listen, ton I, better QBs. Than I, was, I was at the Bills-Texans game this year. So was I, yes. And let me tell you, Davis Mills is probably the second best player on the field that game. <laughs> <laughs> better than Josh Allen. Yeah. 
Mitch Trubisky was one. He had a couple touchdowns that game, right? Yeah, they had like one or two. Yeah. Like actually, that's what got him to Pittsburgh. They saw that. They saw that fake handoff. Him running into the end zone. They're like, "Wow, we can we, we like do that. that. We can use that." Big They're Ben like, hasn't been able to do that in years. <laughs> that's the twenty-eight million dollar quarterback we're paying since, for. Since his uh, since his Deshaun Watson trial a couple years ago, <laughs> he hasn't been able to run like that. <laughs> He probably needed to run away. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> but, okay. Never took no for an answer. <laughs> All right. Going back, going back into um, some yes chanting. Uh, going to the Sabers. <laughs> yes, Daniel Bryan. Yes. 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 Any, any WWE yes. watchers? Um, I mean, man, where do, where do we start? Like again, I have been gone for like two weeks. It is amazing. It is amazing. I can't believe it. They have beat. 14 in their last 17 games, 14 teams that are in the playoffs. Seven of those were against teams in first and second place. When have we seen a Sabre team beat first and second place? I don't remember this. Yeah, me I don't remember this. Dan, remember a conversation we had a while back ago when you said Tage Thompson wasn't wasn't a legitimate top six player? Oh, oh, okay. We're <laughs> saying one good year. I need to see another good year from him. You know, I actually I don't disagree with Double D there. I would like to see another year of production from Tage, but I think even now his floor is a top six player. Oh yeah, his floor. Yeah, his floor. Is, I mean, dude, I think his ceiling is a, a first liner yeah. on a on a really, really, really bad playoff team. Yeah, but like, hit man, if he could be man, if we can just find another center. That could be a legitimate first liner. I would like also to see a new winger. I, I Henestrosa does not need to be resigned. Uh, you don't like Henestrosa? No, no, um, not for that. Uh, in the sense that I don't like him. It's the sense whenever he gets the puck in an open area or on a two-on-one, he always looks for the pass instead of the shot. I think he's scared to take a shot. I think we could probably kick him out, even though he wants to resign with the Sabres. I have no problem with him wanting that. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd rather bring up Jack Quinn. Just bring him up. I I, I mean, move, uh, I think... get rid of Eakin, move Gergensen in center. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, Hang what? on a second. Dude, what's your Cody. problem with Cody Eakin? Cody I don't want, he's probably... replaceable. Listen, I was at the Sabres-Florida game, and the first goal was scored by Zemgus Gergensons, and I saw Cody Eakin go out there, and I told my buddy that I was at the game with, I said, Eakin's out there, we're going to score. And literally 10 seconds later, we sniped one. He's a face-off so. guy, though. That's, That's the thing. But, it, like, what's but wrong you're on the 32nd-ranked <laughs> face-off team. The 32nd. You are last. You don't need a face-off guy. <laughs> you don't. You're 32nd. They're replaceable at this point. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Like, like. But he Cody, has cool hair, though. I'm not gonna deny that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. If you like, if you were just chilling one day and like, say you had a sister and she brought home Cody Egan with that hair, what are you doing? I'd propose to him. No. <laughs> like, no. are you gonna tell Cody Egan he can't take a face off for the Buffalo yes. Sabres? <laughs> yes. Dan, I would I'd... go as far to say that even though this guy is horrible. I would love to see John Hayden get a start. He hasn't okay, started in one, forever. One one player I do love is is John Hayden, and he's, he's a awesome. player that I've been missing in this lineup. <laughs> Even though we have been winning, I love John Hayden because when we were losing, he was the only guy that he would go out there and just throw a body <laughs> and throw a punch. And it was the most funny thing in the world because this dude had four points in like 50 games. Yeah. He was the most useless offensive player in the world. <laughs> and he had 82 <laughs> penalty minutes. But he would just yeah. go out there, throw a couple jabs, you know, throw a couple bodies on the, I you know, a, I saw a stat. Geico logo. <laughs> I saw a stat. Um Point per game players in the NHL by season. In the 2021-2022 season, throughout the entire National Hockey League, there are 46 players that are playing at a point per game play pace. One of them is a Sabres player. Guess who it is? It's um, got to be. It's got to be. Wait, 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 wait. Is no. there? No, no, no. What? It, it's not one of the guys that are currently playing. No. It's someone who played like just a few games. <laughs> wait, wait. Don't, 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 oh, don't geez. tell me. Oh. Don't tell me. Oh man. Oh. Okay. Wait, wait. Who's been up? It's Jack Quinn. Yeah, it's Jack yeah. Quinn. He has, yeah. two, he has a goal and an assist in two games. 
<laughs> some, and somebody somebody said, remember, he left the second game hurt too. So when you think about it, it's more like one and a half <laughs> point per game in parentheses highest in hockey. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. All right. We have the best, not only do we have the best Jack in hockey, we have the best <laughs> NHL player. Who needs Connor McDavid? Who needs Nathan McKinnon? We got Who Jack needs Quinn. Alexander Barkoff? Who needs those scrubs? We have Jack Quinn. Yeah. He has played two ga- not even two games yet. Uh, you know, but realistically, going going back to, you know, to what you were saying about, you know, guys like Vinny Henestrosa and how a player like Jack Quinn can come in and, you know, fill that spot. I do agree with you on the fact that Jack Quinn will come up and, you know, play in a top six role mm-hmm. and take the spot of probably Vinny Henestrosa. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you notice something with Vinny Henestrosa that we just haven't noticed in other players on the Buffalo Sabres over the last few years is that wingers that play on the second and third and fourth line that can be dominant with the puck and, you know, move the pace of the game around the offensive zone and really can play, you know, in their own type of play style. And that's what Vinny Henestrosa does. He's an energy player. He always attacks the puck, and he's always around the puck, and he knows when to get the puck to the net and when not to get the puck to the net. And you said something how he doesn't like to shoot the puck. That's kind of like the style of hockey, though. That's really going the new style of hockey. I don't really like it. I think yeah, if you're on a two on one and you have a shot, take it. Right. If you have the passing lane, pass it. But if you have a chance, take the shot mm-hmm. because there's always availables availability for a rebound, you know, et cetera, uh, et cetera. But at the same time, the Canestroza has been great for us. If he played a full eighty two, he's on pace for like what forty three points. Like that's yeah. that's very solid. He's a very serviceable depth winger. And, and I think you, you resign whole, him next year. Yeah. Like, again, you're looking at your top six next year. Let's just see what we got here. You have Skinner, left mm-hmm. wing, Thompson, center. Mm-hmm. Tuck, Tuck is your right wing. Sure. that That's your first line. I don't think you can really get too much better unless you somehow hit home with a big free agent. Your your second line, I would probably would assume it would be Dylan Cousins at center. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, I would Peyton Krebs at center, Cousins at the wing, and Quinn at the wing. Like yeah. I, I yeah. think, I think that would be a pretty, a pretty good second young, second line. Young line, yeah. Third line, if if you know applicable. Cody Eakin, John Hayden. <laughs> third line, no. <laughs> Cody Eakin. Third line, you guys are gonna like this one. You're gonna like this one. Casey Middlestad, Victor Olson, JJ Paterka. I would honestly move Paterka to the fourth line and have Asplund. I honestly Asplund, I, no Asplund. Olafson is one of those players where he can score and he's got a great shot. Mm-hmm. But when it's when it he comes to being in the defensive zone, yeah, he has no idea what he's doing. And Asplund is the best defensive forward on this team by far. Yeah. So I would put him or, or I would uh, package the uh, Olafson and Asplund together. Dude, you know what the thing is with Asplund? Like I love Asplund. Like there was a point in time where he was leading this team in points. Yeah. In the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. but it's just that stretch, and I love Asplund. I really want him to find himself on this team. I think I, he has. I, yeah, I think no, I think he has too. At worst, I think he's a fourth liner on this team. Yeah. At best, I think he's a serviceable third liner. And, you know, going back to the third line, I mean, you're going to keep a Pozo. Mm-hmm. There's no ifs ands or buts uh, about it. He's been good Don't this year. Disrespect. Oki the I, Rock. I will disrespect him all I want. He's a horrible contract. He we pay him six million to we're be on a fourth line. We're Forty million dollars under the cap <laughs> next year. Who I cares? had enough <laughs> of Kyle Oposo. There, there's still people on the Kyle Oposo hate train, dude. Kyle Oposo has 41 points in 65 games this like, year. That's he, he has don't 18, care. He has that's 18 goals. God. That's really good. He's on pace for 20 goals. And he's been, he's been on like the fourth line for 90 percent of the year too. He has not been playing. He's a lot. playing with Cody Eakin, the guy you hate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's give him it. no. Like honestly, give Oposo a really good fourth line center. Right. Yeah. Cody Eakin. Nope. I, well, nope. he's probably our first oh line guy. <laughs> Cody. Eakin. I think. I think to get above the cap floor, we should sign Eakin to an eight-year. Million extension. I think we should sign Cody Eakin to an eight year, $80 million contract. We should sign him to a Jack Eichel contract. I think we yeah. should boot him to next week and get him out. <laughs> Show him the door. Yeah, the door is your front door because Cody Eakin is going to be your new brother in law and you're going to have to say <laughs> yes to him every week. Yo, if he marries anybody in my family and he makes like $20 million, he can stay for all he wants. <laughs> Dude, imagine waking up in the morning and you see <laughs> Cody yeah, those... Eakin's mullet at the yeah. kitchen table. <laughs> you want some eggs? <laughs> hey, brother, you want some eggs? Shut up, Double D. My name's Cody Eakin. 
Former Winnipeg hey. Jet, former Golden Knight, current Buffalo Saber, and current <laughs> resident at the Dale House. Oh, uh, I love I loved when we signed Eakin because he did like awful the year before, but he had one goal in like the playoffs that was like really cool. And some, somebody had tweeted out, I guarantee you Terry Pagulo just happened to be watching one playoff game and saw Cody Eakin score that goal and he's like, We need that on this team and, and just completely ignored the rest of the season. <laughs> the one time the one time Pagulo watches a game. <laughs> That guy, that guy's gonna be our new Jack. Listen, like, listen, Kevin, we got we got to get this guy locked. Kevin, up. you know Jack's out the door. You might as well bring in this guy, Cody Eakin. <laughs> He's gonna be the franchise cornerstone. How long has he been in the league? Eight years. I don't care. Bring him in. <laughs> my my favorite Sabers Twitter account is uh, Rasmus Wintelinen, <laughs> and <laughs> he tweeted out on uh, Rick, RJ Knight. He said, "Reasons Tage Thompson is better than Ryan O'Reilly and Jack Eichel. He is tall." He is for geniuses to watch. He scored two goals on Rick Jenner at night. It's Plus, true. he has a okay. I don't. I, <laughs> this is a weird story. I'm just gonna say it before we cut the show, uh, cut the break, because uh, I have to head out. Um, I actually kind of dog sitted for Tage Thompson once. Yeah, I don't know if he remembers this or not. He he did a signing at David Adams years ago, and he has this little little golden puppy. This is like three or four years ago. I was just kind of watching his dog for a few minutes while he was doing some stuff signing, and man, that that puppy was a. Uh, very interesting. Cool, cool dog, though. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So you think it's a good time to go go to break? Yeah, I would say so. And, you know, he has to go do a um, broadcast oh. of women's lacrosse game. So there it is. Anyone listening right now, um, if you tune in on the Buffalo State Athletics website, you can catch uh, myself most likely doing the women's lacrosse broadcast for the game that is set to be played at 3 p.m. Eastern. You sound a lot better than you did probably an hour or two ago because you literally sounded like you were dead. Oh, yeah. And uh, now, for anyone listening, like, I was in Florida. Flight got canceled Sunday evening. I had to book it in a car. I just got back Tuesday like evening. <sighs> Went to watch the Sabres game uh, against the Canes last night. Man, I have been in a whirlwind. My at- my eyes have so many bags below them. I am shot. I'm, even I'm, my bags have bags. Yeah, my bags have bags, and I'm lucky I'm even doing the show right now. Like, I'm on my, and I have to call the cross game. I don't even know what I'm doing in this chair right now. He's got All right. the drink of champions. That's yeah, drink helping. of champions. Pepsi, everybody. Pepsi, if you're <laughs> listening, sponsor me at Evan Harrington underscore sixty three on Instagram. You can hit me up there. All right, uh, you know, you and Josh Allen got that Pepsi. Yeah, uh, yeah, me and Josh Pepsi Allen, baby, living it up. Pepsi drink of champions. That's when you know it's the drink of champions is when Josh Allen sponsored by it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> this has been our one of the Buffalo bits. We're gonna take a quick break and we will be back. <laughs> 